Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Villagers, we are continuing our sermon series on faith. I'm saying uh, faith in February to remind us what our faith is and how we are to live out of our faith in this world. And we come today to this wonderful passage in Philippians, and I would invite you to go back and read this whole chapter this week because you will find so much uh, power and spiritual riches in what Paul has to say here. But it is a powerful statement of faith in Jesus Christ. And it helps us explore in this day what it means for us in, in this day and age, 2,000 years later, to have faith in Jesus Christ. And the first thing that Paul helps us to see is that faith in Jesus is not about gaining the world. Faith in Jesus is not about getting more riches and power. Faith in Jesus isn't even about Jesus swooping down and fixing everything that's wrong with us. I, I, I call that, you know, the faith as a magic wand, that somehow you confess Jesus, wave your magic wand, and everything gets better. That is not what faith is about. That, in fact, is faith as a transaction. Uh, people who hold this kind of faith will, will basically say this, Jesus, I will confess you as Lord and Savior, and then here's what I expect you to do for me. Give me more stuff. Give me more money. Give me a new car. Uh, fix what's wrong with my kids. It's a transaction, but that is not the point of faith at all because faith is saying, Jesus, I've tried all this stuff, on my own. I've planned what I think is best for me, and I've come to realize that what you tell me is in my best interest, that's the way I'm going to live. You see, it's not about a transaction. It's about a relationship. Faith in Jesus means we kind of let go of that transactional kind of understanding and we turn to the depths of a relationship with Jesus. Now, this is exactly what Paul is saying. If you track back uh, just a couple verses here in Philippians chapter 3, you get where Paul says, you know what? If anybody were to boast about their life in the world, it's me. He's like, I was at the top of the heap. I had it all. I was a Pharisee. I was educated. I was wealthy. I had respect for, I could do what I wanted to do. I was the guy. And I gave it all up 
for the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. In fact, I, and I won't use the Greek word because we have a Greek speaker here, but when he says all of that is garbage, he's using a swear word there. It's not garbage, it's excrement, it's caca. It's a really bad word that if I said from the pulpit, you'd all be like, oh, did she say that? I can't say it. But that's how strongly Paul feels about this, is to say all of what I had before is garbage because I now have a relationship with Jesus Christ and I know for a fact that those things weren't the truest life. What I have now is the truest life. And in fact, don't forget that Paul ends up in jail, that Paul is a tent maker, it seems to me to be a pretty hard job. That Paul gets shipwrecked. That Paul ends up martyred in Rome. His faith was not a transactional kind of faith. It is the surpassing value of this relationship with Jesus Christ that changes everything in our understanding of what it is to live and live well. So let go of the transactional. Faith is about relationship. But then there's a second thing here. Now, now, if we talk about this kind of relational aspect of faith, that is a faith community at its very best. That it is a place to belong. It is a place where people care about you. It is a place of relational value. That you come in and you feel like you're cared for. You care for others. And especially in a day and age when uh, so many extended families are scattered across the country or the world, my goodness, instead of being less important to me, the faith community is even more important. Because it's a place where you come in and I know Mary and I'm going to take care of Mary if she needs something. And Mary's going to take care of me if I need something. That is the kind of relationship we have. And, and listen, all the science out there, all the studies tell us that people who are deeply related, who that is uh, one of the strongest aspects of their life, they're happier, they're healthier, they live longer. There is something about being in relationship that truly is good for the human being. But you see, some people believe that faith now means you can't use your brain anymore. That if you have faith, you, know, you can't believe in science. If you have faith, uh, you just got to set your intellect aside. And, and that's just a ridiculous way of understanding faith in Jesus Christ. These are not things that are opposed. They should all be working together because God gave us this magnificent brain. Now think about this. Paul himself. If he did not use his intellect, we would not have the letters we have today. We would not have the things that he has taught us about faith in Christ because he would have had to set that aside. Or go back into the Old Testament. There's this thing called, you ever heard of Hezekiah's tunnels? Anybody heard of Hezekiah's tunnels? Uh, King Hezekiah, about the 8th century B.C., built these tunnels, these aqueducts, so that when Jerusalem was under siege, water would still get into the city. 
that was the height of engineering. That was the height of science in the, that day. And it's right there in the Bible. It didn't say set aside your mind and just believe and God will drop water down from the sky and you'll be fine. No, they did use what they had for the good. Let me tell you about John Wesley in the 18th century. He took all of the best medical science available, some of which today is quite laughable, but it was the best medical science that they had. He wrote a book. He made his lay preachers keep that book in every preaching house so that if someone like Caitlin came in and said, my child has catarrh, they could look, I don't even know what that is either. They could look up Qatar and say, here are some of the best things you could do. It was one of the best selling books in the 18th century. Why? Because this knowledge was there, but people were taking advantage of the poor. It wasn't readily available. And John Wesley, by faith, said, I can bring the best medical knowledge to the people and I can do them good. You see, you got to let go of this idea that having an intellect doesn't, doesn't match with faith. Quite the contrary. It is only by faith that we end up using the intellect and science for the good. You see, the problem with human invention is apart from God, we can do all kinds of things with that, and often we can do some really bad things to other people. So by faith in Jesus Christ, what we come to see is how we can use all of our knowledge and all of our wisdom for the greater good, for the good of the whole. So let go of that idea that you can't have good science and be a person of faith. In fact, the best science comes out of a faithful spirit. Now this brings me to uh, a third thing. So we know that faith is relational. We know also that faith is going to be working for the good through everything God has given us in this creation. And we come to this basic definition then. We understand that faith is this trust and confidence. It is this conviction of things unseen, as Hebrews 11.1 would tell us. And when we try and understand what that truly means to have this sort of trust and confidence in God, uh, even when we're in really tough times, how do we have this faith, this trust, this confidence that God is at work for our good when, it, when we may not even see it? I think this is where when Jesus says to us, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must become like one of these little children. I think Jesus is trying to tell us something right there about our faith, about that kind of trust and confidence, and I think there are two things here. To be a little child, to have faith and trust and confidence like a little child is, first of all, to be open. I mean, it, it, we act as if uh, children are little, little us, and they aren't. You, you know that if you're around a little child, because uh, a child's going to say, why is the grass green? Why isn't it orange? 
Because to a child, everything is still open. Everything is still possible. The little child comes in the sanctuary and says, why do you do that? And you say, well, because we always do that. Because uh, I don't know. Because the child is open to everything. You see, faith in Jesus Christ keeps us open to what God might do. It continues to give us these, these questions. And, and as we grow older, what happens is we become fixed in our thinking and fixed in our ways. And we lose something of that spirit of openness to the living God. And Jesus says, become like a child. Keep that kind of open spirit because with God, nothing is impossible. But there's a second thing about this idea of being like a little child. And it's this, you know, children always have this sense that their mother or their father is, is going to take care of them. Even in dysfunctional families, children still believe that their parents are going to feed them, that their parents are going to uh, uh, fix their boo-boos and put a Band-Aid on it, that their parents are going to be there for them and love them and care for them. And that's the imagery of being a child of God and God the father or God the mother or God the parent, however you want to think about it, this God is going to care for us in our woundedness, in our needs, that we can have that same kind of relationship toward God where, where we trust and we have confidence like a little child. The best example I can give today is heart-wrenching. Um, it's Tyree Nichols. And whether you watched those videos or just read or heard about them, when he was being punched and beaten by those bad dudes who don't deserve the professional title that they should have had by wearing that badge, they were just bad dudes. When they were kicking and punching him mercilessly, he cried out for his mom. Mom! You know, I don't think it's because Tyree Nichols thought that his mother could somehow magically appear and stop these grown men from beating him. I don't think that somehow uh, he thought that she would change the situation. But something deep in his spirit knew that a mother is going to love you that a mother's going to show up and stand there with you, that a mother is going to say to you, you are my beloved child, that a mother is going to hold your hand, that a mother is going to bind your wounds and say, you are loved, son, you are valuable. This isn't right. People cry out for their mom, for their dad, because of this deep sense that I am loved and I know it even if this moment is not saying that to me. And I don't know about you, but it reminds me of Mary standing at the foot of the cross, looking at Jesus, knowing she can't change the worst thing he could ever go through, but she could stand there and say, I love you. I want to bind your wounds. I have always loved you. 
That's what faith is like. That's Jesus crying out to his father on the cross, knowing, knowing that the the faith we hold is this deep trust and confidence that this worst thing, that this cross is not the last word. We can see that just around the corner, by faith, there is resurrection. The tomb is empty, and there is new life. Faith. We give up everything. We let go of everything for the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.